Hello and welcome to the first episode of the I See Dead Movies podcast, of which I don't know if there will be a second episode. Just kidding, there will be 276 before I explode from spontaneous combustion while having sex with your mom. I don't know what all that meant. It was kind of a nervous purge of words that came out of my mouth, which is probably that's going to happen a lot. And I'd like to apologize for that being the first paragraph ever spoken on this new venture, which is, if you're wondering... Just going to be about all the other movies in the world, the VODs, the 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 old movies, the 90s movies, random fucking Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. It's it's whatever, you know, new VOD movies that are out, those ones that that have people you've never heard of before in them or older action stars in them that you have to pay seven dollars to rent. And most people aren't going to or don't do that. But you know, let's be honest, a lot of them are available on the on the open seas as well. So not that you should do that because you shouldn't. People are making a living. I don't support that. I'm just saying that that's where people happen to watch them. That's all I'm saying. No judgment, though, to anyone out there in the world, except for Ezra Miller. But apart from that, uh, yeah, so that's the whole point of the show is just to talk about. That's why it's called I See Dead Movies. Talk about movies that aren't that popular, you know? Give them some love. Have you ever watched a movie and been like, man, that looks interesting, but I'm not going to watch it because I don't want to watch something I'm not going to have anybody to talk about it with. That happens to me a lot. And I think it's because of the show, because of YouTube, because of what I do, that I'm like, I have a hard time like watching something I'm not going to be able to talk about on the show. It's a sick thing. It's a sick, twisted thing. Like, if it's not going to create content, there's no point. No one should live their lives that way. But I do. And it's not good for me, but this is meant to help. And I hope other people get some enjoyment out of this as well. What I'd like to do is at some point just have different friends and stuff on the show and things like that. Maybe guests and things. You know, I don't know really where this is going or what's going to happen with it. I just kind of put my wiener out there and do stuff. You know, and if you don't, then you don't. But I do, and I did, and I and here I am now. So, uh, three movies to talk about on this list uh, today. And they're going to be 2022's On the Line, starring Mel Gibson. They're going to be Poker Face, 2022, new movie as well, on VOD as well, starring Russell Crowe. And finally, the movie that inspired me to watch, Poker Face ex- inspired me to watch, Croupier, or Croupier, Croupier, I don't know, it's a Clive Owen gambling movie from 1998. And we'll get into why uh, it's the it's it's the best movie on this list. I I dug the shit out of it. So yeah, we got one old movie, and we have two brand new VOD movies that have just come out, and all starring people that you know. So let's take a look. Let's start with On the Line, which I wrote a review for this. It was the first piece of content I ever put on here. Um, so if you want to check that out, you can. Oh my god, that one shot of Margot Robbie, by the way, in Babylon, where she's just laying there. With her titties almost out smoking a cigarette is just one of the hottest things I've ever seen in my life. And I really wish that they wouldn't just, they gotta give me a warning before you throw that up there like that IMDb. I just went from six to midnight. I'm trying to record a podcast. Jesus Christ. Will anyone know if I just press pause on this? I'm kidding, you guys. That's 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 not appropriate. On the line is the first movie we'll talk about today. All right, people. Settle in, relax. Give me a call. This is on the line. I'm breaking into the house. Hey, 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 Gary, stop, wait, come on. Why hurt his family? I mean, they're innocent. Tell me calmly. Where exactly are you? I'm at your house. 
And it is Mel Gibson, which, you know, let's not do that whole thing. Let's just pretend nothing ever happened with Mel Gibson. Can we do that? Is that allowed? I like Mel Gibson as an actor. You know, let's just pretend nothing bad ever happened. Um, it's directed by Rumald, Rumuald Bolanger. And when you look at Rumuald Bolanger, you see he's done such esteemed classics as Haters and Gut Shot Straight. That is actually the name of a movie. He was the producer on Gut Shot Straight, starring Steven Seagal, Vinnie Jones, and Stephen Lang. How the fuck did you get Stephen Lang and Vinnie Jones to do a movie with Steven Seagal called Gut Shot Straight? A gambler is drawn into the life of money and power to make a quick buck, but he quickly realizes that he's fat Steven Seagal. No, he's set up, part of a setup that could cost him his life or make him support Russia and the Ukraine invasion, like the piece of shit Steven Seagal became. Anyways, on the line is... Man, I'm telling you, I saw the trailer for this. Watch it Thanksgiving night after all the Bloody Marys and the turkeys and the beers. Uh, all that good stuff inside of my body. Watched on the line and we watched the trailer for it first and we're blown the fuck away. I was like, that's a goddamn trailer right there. That movie looks amazing. Both my wife, who was skeptical about these things, like halfway through the trailer, we were like, yeah, let's fucking go. We're going to watch the shit out of this and it's going to be amazing. It feels like Ransom. It felt just like Ransom, which is one of my favorite movies ever. That's one of the greatest movies of all time. Maybe maybe that's a stretch. But give me the money. Give me back my son. But yeah, I mean, it felt like Ransom when you watch the trailer. And what it is, is I'll just, I'll read the IMDb synopsis because it'll definitely say it better than I could. But it says, a host takes a call where an unknown person threatens to kill the showman's entire family on air. To save loved ones, the radio host will have to play a survival game. And the only way to win is to find out the identity of the criminal. You know, I lied. That That's actually a terrible fucking explanation of the movie i definitely could have done it better so mel gibson is elvis and he hosts uh, one of those late night radio shows it's kind of a fraser type situation but like kind of shock jock mixed with that like he gives advice and at one point a caller calls and he gives like some nice like manly advice like here's what you need to do you know and it's it's not that bad but yeah but he's also a huge dick and he's an asshole to a bunch of people. But the movie starts out, and he's taking care of his little girl, who's like seven, which is weird because of the age thing. But, you know, we'll just we'll just overlook that. He kisses his wife. He gets in his nice-ass, like, old-school Ford Mustang. And the first thing that captured my attention about On the Line was how nice this shot looked. He's driving through the city at night, and they're just giving you the cityscape and the drone shot and the tracking shot in the car. And it's so good-looking. It, it, it's all so nice. It's so fancy-looking. It looks like Drive. I'm like, damn, this VOD movie has some cash behind it. We're in for a fucking treat. Which, that's the thing. Mel Gibson is a wild card when you watch these movies. Not just when he gets pulled over, but when you watch these movies, he's he's a wild card because you might have a good Mel Gibson movie. Uh, and I'm not saying all VOD movies are bad, but, but a Mel Gibson VOD movie is especially interesting because... If he's in the movie, you know it's probably not going to get a wide release, especially if he's the star of it, just simply because he's Mel Gibson. So you could be looking at a movie that's fucking fantastic, an absolutely wide theater release, maybe if it was the 90s worthy. Uh, you could be looking at something that's actually really special. And it just so happens to have Mel Gibson, who's one of the greatest actors of all time, despite how you feel about him. The man is one of the greatest actors of all time. When he fucking cries, and he cries at one point in this movie, I mean, it just takes your heart away. 
takes your whole heart away and gives you a heart on. There's something about that man crying that just breaks my manliness into little smithereens. But anyways, so he he's driving and then like it's so impressive the shot and the way the cinematography looks. It's all so well done in this opening shot. And these motherfuckers had money for red hot chili peppers on the soundtrack. So I'm like, this video on demand shit is gonna have nuts in it. I can't believe this. But he gets there, and as soon as people start opening their mouths, everything goes to shit. He walks in, and it's just a bad idea to have Mel Gibson making these jokes. I'm in no shape or form offended by it. Look, I grew up in the fucking 90s. None of this shit bothers me. But you can look at something and say, hey, that's not appropriate. Especially for the person whose mouth it's coming out of. He walks immediately up to the dude who's the security guard. He's like, hey, what's your name, pal? And the guy has some, you know, a foreign name that's hard to pronounce. And he just goes, I'm going to call you Bob. And it's like, that is a harmless joke. But honestly, if you're Mel Gibson, just stay away from all that shit, man. Come on. It's not that hard. If you're Mel Gibson, you should stay completely away from racism. <laughs> you know? Like the 40-year-old uh, virgin, uh, Steve Carell, stays away from women. Um, you, you just shouldn't even touch on it. Even if it's a joke. You know? Even if it's a harmless little joke. Just don't. But anyways... That didn't actually bother me. That was, but, but it's just it's worth pointing out. But yeah, as soon as they start talking, you can tell like it's broken dialogue, it's badly written lines, awful jokes, weird shit. This goddamn Jesus-looking guy comes up, and he's a crazy person. He's like, "You know me, I'm the Messiah." And he breaks out like a dive. He's like, "I'm gonna kill myself." And he's like, "How did he get in here?" And by the way, this shock jock radio host Elvis that he plays is super famous for what he does. He's been around for forever. So he gets all sorts of weirdos and yahoos. And now he's on like the midnight time slot or whatever. Because I guess the ratings are going down a little bit. But yeah, they kick the guy out and it's just this whatever scene. And then he goes up to his, his radio booth. And of all people, one of the dudes they introduce you to. Hold on, I, gotta, I always forget his name. Um, or I say it wrong because of the brother situation. But... He runs into, of all people, Kevin Dillon. Motherfucking the dude from Entourage. Victory! That guy. Which is weird because Mark Wahlberg just did a movie with Mel Gibson that uh, I didn't watch it because I don't do the religion thing. Uh, uh, Father, Father Pat or some shit. What the fuck was the name of that movie that Mark Wahlberg did? Oh, sorry. I had to take a drink there. With uh, with Mel Gibson that just came out, Father Stu. Father Stu, that's the one. But yeah, since he's been doing that, there's like several VOD movies with Mel Gibson and Kevin Dillon in the same movie, which is hilarious because you got to think that like the whole movie Entourage was actually based on Mark Wahlberg's life, and Kevin Dillon's character would walk around with Vince, and he would try to get jobs and shit like that. I wonder if that kind of worked out this way. Like he became friends with Mel Gibson, so now he's in all of his movies. It's just fucking funny to me. But so he is he's like he's just he has like three minutes in the movie or whatever. And he's he literally plays his character from Entourage. He's just he's got a different time slot. He's like, fuck you, Mel. You want my time slot? He's like, I don't want your time slot, pal. I don't know what you're talking about. And they have this little thing. It's whatever. It's kind of a pointless character. But anyways, he goes in, he starts his show and he gets a phone call. And this is what intrigued me so much about this movie. It's old school 90s thriller type shit. The caller calls in. He's like, I'm going to do something bad. And he's like, no, calm down. Don't hurt yourself, whatever. He's trying to talk him off the ledge. And the guy's like, no, I'm at this asshole's house who took everything from me. And I'm going to kill him. And I'm going to kill his family who's inside. So they're freaking out. And they're trying to talk him down from doing it. And then he's like, no, that's not possible. He's like, why? He's like, because I'm at your house. So he finds out that this guy is at his house outside in his garden. 
and is threatening to go inside and kill his family because of what he did to him. So now he has him on the line, but up bump, and he's 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 fucked, right? So he has to do everything this guy says, and the guy makes him do all this crazy shit, makes him go up to the roof, is telling him he wants him to kill himself. I won't get into the specifics, just in case you want to watch it. I won't get into the, the, the specifics. Maybe I will at the end of the episode, just for all the people who are not going to watch this movie. Maybe I'll talk about it, because there are some fun spoilers to talk about. So yeah, at the end of the episode, I'll go back and I'll talk about the spoilers. But man, the writing is just the worst shit I've ever read in my life. And it's a shame, because Mel Gibson can still act a fucking shitload. You know, he's an amazing actor still. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. He's that good of an actor. He could get a straight man like myself to probably have sex with him, even in his old age. He's that good of an actor. And, you know, I'm not talking about things I think about in the shower when no one's watching. I'm just telling you, that's how good of an actor he is. Uh, it's true. And he's, he's, he's good in this, but he, you can only carry so much. You know, and the, the the dialogue is so broken, it's so bad. Characters do so many dumbass things. You'd have to watch it with me and have me explain or, or talk about it together exactly. You'd see exactly what I'm talking about. It's just kind of hard to explain. Characters do the dumbest shit. There's twists and turns that make zero sense. The jokes and the dialogue are just laughably bad. And the worst part of it all is it could have been so exciting because you got this creepy guy on the other line and he's threatening to do all this shit. And it could be scary, and it could be like ransom, and it could be very tense, and the way the trailer made it seem. But this dude's fucking voice is so grating. It's so not scary, not bad guy at all. And he's trying to be all like sensual and spooky when he's talking to him and threatening. So he's he's like he, he keeps saying "yoo-hoo" like randomly. The motherfucker's like "yoo-hoo." I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I just want to punch this guy in the goddamn trachea. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing him speak. And then it just gets just it just evolves and devolves and devolves and gets stupider and dumber and 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 boring and just it's just awful to the point where I think Mel Gibson even gives up halfway through with his acting. It's just like bad. Um. So yeah, man, the movie looked good and. and Mel Gibson <laughs> and I love the idea of him being a radio host the story idea is great someone should totally fuck I, I don't normally support stealing but steal this fucking plot and make it a good movie because it could have been an awesome old school 90s the negotiator type thriller but it's just a bad movie and it's not because it looks bad and it's not because it's cheap it's because it was just written poorly the free part the part that costs nothing, a pen and a piece of paper, is what fucked up this. No, nobody writes movies on paper because that would be just a fucking waste and your hand would cramp. But, you know, I mean, the free part, the easy part, maybe not the easy part. That's disrespectful to writing, but definitely the free part. And when you go watch one of these VOD movies, you expect it to be low budget and whatnot for the most part. But, yeah, that was just super disappointing. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it does end with crazy twists. So stick with it or fast forward it if you do watch it because uh, it ends up with some crazy twist that I mean, at that point, I checked out of the movie so much. I couldn't really be upset or excited about, uh, but they do go for it. It is a it's a swing. It's a couple swings. So that was at least interesting, an interesting knot to wrap it up. I give this one a 5.5. I do not recommend recommend paying for it. If you're bored and you want to see a really interesting premise and you want to see a new Mel Gibson performance. It's it's worth watching just for that and the twist at the end alone. But the bad guy just totally ruins it and shits on it and the awful dialogue and writing. Take a big steamy one on it for sure. So moving on from that, um, 
And by the way, like, man, it's got to be hard to pick your favorite fucking Mel Gibson movie. Real quick, can we just look at that? That's what I want to do. I want to have a look-see. And if it's, it's easy to forget, right? It's easy to forget because it's been so long since he was on the forefront of his career. But yeah, obviously there's Lethal Weapon. That, that could be my favorite for sure. But I mean, Mad Max, you forget sometimes he was in Mad Max even. All three of those movies. He was in fucking... Uh, we got some mid-movies, you know, Bird on a Wire, Tequila Sunrises and whatnot. All the, all the Lethal Weapons, of course. Forever Young, Man Without a Face. Maverick was fucking awesome. Braveheart, it's an all-time movie classic. One of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, he did voice John Smith in Pocahontas, which was a, is a weird choice looking back. He was in Casper? Really? Fuck, I didn't know that. Conspiracy Theory, that movie fucking ruled. Ransom ruled. Payback was underrated as hell. That's a great one. We gotta cover Payback on this show. That's what I'm fucking talking about, man. Movies nobody talks about. Payback's a great one to cover on this show. What Women Want wasn't actually that bad. The Patriots, an all-timer. That's an all-time great one. I remember watching The Million Dollar Hotel and, and not being able to get into it, but I should revisit that again uh, for sure. We Were Soldiers, that's a weird one. I never got into it. I could never get into We Were Soldiers. Don't know why. Signs, one of my all-time top five probably favorite movies in the history of the world. Um, Paparazzi was underrated good, although I think he like helped write or produce that. He wasn't actually in it, except for as the anger management patient. Edge of Darkness was all right. And then then we got into the other stuff, you know, the other stuff of his career. The Bad Guy in Expendables 3. He was kind of hokey in that, but it wasn't. It, it was still pretty cool to see Mel Gibson just get a role like that at that point. Daddy's Home too. Dragged across, across Concrete was good. That movie was really good. I dug the shit out of that. Again, dealt a little bit too much in politics and stuff. And if you're Mel Gibson, you should just stay the fuck away from that shit. But at this point, I guess he's leaning in. Bloodfather ruled. That was a good movie. If you need a good revenge movie to watch, Bloodfather was fucking awesome. We got to cover that at some point on this show, too. But yeah, man, uh, he's in a bunch of stuff coming out. Informant, Boys of Summer, Desperation Road, which is... That is... You know what? I'm not going to make the joke. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the rumored Lethal Weapon 5, which at this point, I don't think will ever happen. But they say it will. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, it sucks that we lost Richard Donner, but Mel Gibson has high hopes for that. And we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens, man. I'm glad he's still working. I'm glad we're still getting Mel Gibson movies, even if they are lower quality like this. They're not, at least he's not the Steven Seagal, you know? He's not completely jumped the fucking shark and stopped even trying and just stuffing his fucking face and being lazy as shit. And, and being best friends with Putin. You know, like, that's at least that's not going on. So we got to give him credit for that. And he's getting better opportunities probably than Sean-Claude Van Damme's getting, even though not, that's not really Sean-Claude Van Damme's fault. But uh, I know he's not one of those guys, but he is a guy that was an, a huge star in the 90s that is now doing VOD. That's why I, I mentioned him in the same boat for sure. But, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's a crazy world that we live in. So after that, I watched... A way better movie, but still so strange. I'm very excited to talk about this one, because this one is oh so fucking strange, you guys. It is called Poker Face. Poker Face. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm really sorry. I'm Jake Foley. I'm 57. And I'm a gambler. Life's just a game, right? It's all in how you read and respond to your opponents. Uh, but Poker Face, yeah. So... Oh, fuck me in the ass with a spoon. I had no idea Russell Crowe directed this. Holy shit, that's so fucking weird. Because so many weird choices were made in this movie. Holy God. What else has he directed? 
there are so many weird fucking choices in this movie. That makes so much sense, and yet it doesn't make any sense. He directed The Water Diviner. It's about a gardener. What the fuck is The Water Diviner about? Diviner? Water Diviner. An Australian man travels to Turkey after the Battle of Gallipoli to try to locate his three missing sons. Okay, that's not about water at all. Um, I thought it was about, like, the creator of sprinklers. <laughs> like, they made a movie about the dude who made uh, windshield wipers with Greg Kinnear in it. I've watched some weird shit in my life, you guys. It's a crazy time. But, yeah, so, Poker Face. Um, he was in a movie called Romper Stomper. <laughs> and it was about prison, of all things, too. Holy shit, that's hilarious. Um, but, yeah, so, anyways, where were we? What were we talking about? Poker Face, the movie. So IMDb's explanation for this movie is a tech billionaire hosts a high-stakes poker game between friends, but the evening takes a turn when long-held secrets are revealed, an elaborate revenge plot unfolds, and thieves break in. I will not be spoiling this movie because it is one I recommend that you guys watch for sure. Uh, and their spoilers are very intricate uh, anyways. So even though I, if it comes up, we'll talk it at the end, but like, I think everyone should watch this movie. I really do. It's fucking strange. It's just all over the goddamn place. So in the beginning of the movie, Russell Crowe looking like today's Russell Crowe, he's just, he's got a strange look to him, man. He's always talking about like working out and shit. Like everybody calls him fat, but he's actually super fucking buff underneath all that. It's a very strange look. He's a big fucking dude. But anyway, so he is in this art place and he's just sitting staring at art and he looks all deep 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 and this girl comes up to him and she's like can i paint your picture for this thing and she's like what do you do for a living and he's like i'm a gambler and she's like really and he's like yeah and then I, she's like i just want to paint your picture because you look so like you're in such deep thought here or whatever and then that has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. And then we go on to the movie, and he is super fucking rich. It's one of those people who are so rich, it's fun to watch them walk through their life. Because he has, like, a bag in his car with, like, 17 fucking Rolexes in it. He's just, like, picking which watch to wear. But he has this increasingly likable personality about him. He barely ever speaks. He doesn't say much. But he just seems like a big fucking teddy bear. I just want to hug him, you know? He's got major, like, awesome, rich but super deep and has probably killed a few people in his time. Grandpa feels to him. And he's, he's, I don't know if I can say that. I don't want I, I want to let you guys take the ride for yourselves. So I won't say that, but he's got this crazy secret and he's dealing with this wild stuff. And in the movie, he goes to like a shaman and he does like ayahuasca, like what Aaron Rodgers did. He goes out into the fucking woods and he trips balls for like three fucking days with this guy. It's very, very Steven Seagal and on deadly groundish. But the guy's like, and he explains that he has this painful history, and he's trying to deal with his own mortality. And the guy, you know, the the shaman or whatever, I don't know if that's what it actually is, but he gives him this kit with this truth serum in it. And he's like, if you take this much, it's it's it'll kill you. But um, this it helps people knowing they have a choice. And you're very confused as to what's going on, but it's very deep and it's very mysterious and it's very fascinating and interesting. So you're waiting for it to kind of like, okay, is this going to fall down some steps? At some point, but it really doesn't. It gets weird, and it's out there, but it remains fascinating the whole time. So then you're introduced to his group of friends. And I love poker movies. I love gambling movies. We'll talk about this when we get to Croupier. Croupier but that's what, after watching this, it got me in that mood. I wanted to watch him. But it's really not a poker or gambling movie at all. So it's a little bit misleading. There, It's, it's at the center of it for a second. 
But basically what happens is he has these friends and they all, oh yeah, the movie opens with this weird fucking stand by me, it loser club scenario. That's like all emotional and deep and strange showing these guys when they were kids. And it just fucking feels weird. You know, it's like Braveheart or some shit, but uh, they're all older now and they, they got this, they created this tech company together that could do this crazy security shit and spy on anybody and governments would buy it from him. And that's how he made all this, this huge fortune, but he's also a family man. He's got this new wife and, and he's got this, uh, this, this daughter and his friends, he invites him up uh, old buddies to get together and play poker like they usually do. He goes to his fucking house, and he's so rich, he has, like, tons of employees and shit. Uh, they go to his house, and he has them each take a different car in his, like, Batman garage. He's Batman rich. And and race to get there. Liam Hemsworth is in this, but it's weird because he's wearing, like... I don't know if it's, like, prosthetics or whatever to make him look ugly or to make him look rough or whatever, but he looks like he's just been out in the sun for way too fucking long or like a, a, a wish.com Freddy Krueger thing going on with his skin. I don't, I don't know, but just enough to make him look not so fresh face and, and, and dumb. Like he looks sometimes to give him a little bit more weight. And actually it kind of fucking worked. Um, but he's one of the friends. RZA is one of the friends, although he shows up near the end and has almost nothing to do with the movie. But his friends all show up, and they've got this sordid history together, and he knows all their secrets. And he's bringing them all together to this table, and he's going to give them this truth serum shit without them knowing. And he has a secret to share with them, too. So all of it at this poker table, for like $25 million worth of chips, that they, they normally have this game where they play for fun, but he's up the ante because of his secret and he's got 25 million dollars in chips on the table table and that that whole plot just kind of goes by the wayside so it's kind of weird in that in that regard um when these guys show up to rob him and these guys show up to rob him and rob him of his art and they go into a safe room or whatever and that whole thing unfolds all their secrets unfold uh, the secret with his wife, his personal secrets, the friend's secrets, how they're fucking each other over. All this stuff comes to light while they're on this truth serum and these dudes are in the house. And it's just a wacky goddamn movie, man. It's not wacky in the sense that it's like, woohoo, but it's like the plot is on fucking acid, but everybody else is playing it serious as fuck. So it's pretty interesting. It's a, it's a little weird and loosey-goosey in, in certain points, but... It's man, it's just it just keeps you going, and the the bad guys are really they're really talkative, and uh, who's the who's the guys who who play them? Um, I feel like I've seen the dude before. Paul uh, Tassoni, Tassone, uh is is he's a he's kind of an over the top sort of bad guy, but he's breaking in, he's stealing his art, and they've got to just wade through all this shit, and then it gets really deep when he's sharing his secret. It's very it's about there's a lot of stuff about mortality about. When you know, you know that that you have, you know your expiration date basically, and and also you've been wronged by a bunch of people in your life. But also when you have uh, when you have kids and you feel responsible for them, there's a lot of very interesting stuff that that the movie talks about in the dialogue and friend stuff and things like that that really keep you going and some really poignant dialogue too so i actually found all that stuff fascinating i enjoyed watching it. it it does get a little weird like he's so rich it almost feels like batman forever over the top but i like it it's kind of fun and like the strange shaman stuff at the beginning and it kind of ends in a little 
Oh, no, I won't say it ends in a suit. There's just one point where everybody bands together to like fight off the criminals, and it's really cornballish. Uh, but that part doesn't even involve Russell Crowe, and he's the best part of this. His character is the best part of this. He's super deep and super interesting. So I liked it a lot for him. And then the movie ends on the most weird, strange country song, What in the Fuck, I've ever seen in my life. Not the ending. The movie wraps up, and then you have like the post ending where we like explain where everyone's at now and all that stuff. And it gets so, so deeply hallmark in like a country music kind of way. It's so, it's so, it, it honestly like just uncomfortable cringe. <laughs> the song that plays and the way they do it, it's uncomfortably fucking cringe. It doesn't fit the movie at all. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt the movie, honestly, because it's separate from the movie. Like I said, it's just a catch up thing, but it is just, I mean, it is, it, it will take you fucking back with how corny it is. And I'm not talking about the dialogue at the end. If you do watch it, the dialogue, at the end sweet and it's good, but <laughs> the fucking God, please, will you guys, will someone please watch this so you can laugh at this with me? This is what I'm talking about. I feel like nobody's going to fucking watch this and I'm just going to have this awkward moment in my soul and maybe I'm overhyping it now, but. It just makes it so much weirder now that I know Russell Crowe directed it. I was like, you big burly man, what the fuck is this? But I give this movie, Poker Face, a 7 out of 10. Uh, strange, strange little movie, but entertaining. Doesn't really live up to the, the the whole poker aspect of the movie because they just abandon the game at some point. And he's like, I think we're done. He's like, yeah, let's go over here and fucking do this. Um, but... Pretty cool, wild plot, man. Did he write this? It was written by Stephen M. Coates. Someone shit on the Coates! I hope it wasn't my coat. And it was written as well by Russell Crowe. So he really put a lot into this. And this is why I'm happy we're doing this show. Because, you know, no one's talking about this movie. This is the guy from fucking Gladiator, man. Russell Crowe is a huge fucking actor. One of the best actors, man. And, and it sucks that he could put out a movie that he put this much effort into. And actually feels like it has money behind it. And is well done. And no one's fucking talking about it. At all. You know? So, that sucks. But what doesn't suck is that it led me into my old school... Hey, what are the best gambling movies of all time? Like, what... And by the way, what is your all's? Talk to me about this in the comments. What is the best gambling movies of all time to you? What are your favorite ones? It could be poker. It just could be. Uh, thank God they don't make a movie about just people who are addicted to slot machines because that would just smell like cigarette smoke and carpet and depression. But it got me looking at lists online. And it's a fun thing about movies, right? Like, oh, man, I wonder what else I can get into uh, into this genre. I've seen Rounders a billion times. It's no doubt the Quincy Ocho, the greatest gambling movie, uh, poker movie of all time, at least in my opinion it is. Uh, but you've got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of great ones. Lucky You, um, Casino, if you count. Yeah, you can count Casino for sure. That's got to be one of the greatest ones of all time. But, yeah, this movie is called Croupier. You have to make the choice in life be a gambler or a croupier and then live with your decision come what may or croupier it's c-r-o-u-p-i-e-r -E and i never fucking heard of it in my life but it was for free on like i don't know if it was on hbo max it's on it's on one of the streaming services peacock maybe it's a 1998 movie it's a it's a cool hour and 34 minutes long and i totally recommend it it's the best movie we're going to talk about today we went from the worst to pretty damn good to uh a little bit better than pretty damn good uh, with croupier that's that's just what I, that's how i'm gonna say it i hope i'm saying it right that's what i'm going with but i am to be says croupier which stars clive owen and i believe i'll double check this but i believe i read this was his first acting role clive fucking owen man 
king of the that actor should be bigger than he is actors is he not like when you look at clive owen and, and how smooth he is and what a good actor he is and how fascinating he is to see on screen does it not blow your fucking butt that he's not in bigger movies it seems like he's never in any fucking thing it's crazy. What is he doing right now? What the fuck are you doing right now, Clive Owen? He's in some show called Monsieur Spade that's filming. He he does play Sam Spade. He's he did a show called Retreat. He was in American Crime Story. He's doing nothing but TV, which is there's nothing wrong with that these days. But the last movie he was in was was oh was that was a voice role. The last couple movies he was in was Romantic Guide to Lost Places. Never heard of it. Gemini Man, that movie was pretty big, did well, I think I watched it, The Informer in 2019, The Song of Names, Anon, Ophelia, Killer in Red, like, he's in a bunch of shit I never fucking heard of, that's crazy, the last big movie he did looks like it was Shoot Up. oh my god, what the fuck, Clive Owen, where are you, he was in that show The Nick, which was pretty big, I guess, but like, other than that, like, honestly, like, the last big movie he was in was Shoot Em Up, which I love. That movie ruled. 2007. And Children of Men the year before that. Inside Man that year as well. Uh, Sin City. It was 2005. He had a fucking run there, man. And then a drought. That's crazy, dude. But, I mean, I say drought. But I just mean based on how big it seems like he should be. There's nothing wrong with his career and the Nick and all the stuff that he's doing whatsoever. I'm just saying I think he could be way bigger. But anyways. Uh, wasn't he in a Stephen King thing too? Did I just miss that? I swear, Elizy stories. Yeah, he was he was Scott Landon in that. So okay, anyways, enough about Clive Owen. And this was not his first role, by the way. He had a fuck ton of roles before this. This was in '98. His career started in 1987. So yeah, not even close. But in Croupier, it says an inspiring aspiring writer is hired as a croupier at a casino, where he realizes that his life as a croupier would make a great novel. Yes and no. Uh, the thing about this is, it's it's punk rock as fuck. It, it, no, it's not punk rock. It's got a very train spotting vibe. I think so. Like I think it's got a train spotting vibe. Maybe that's just his look. Because when the movie starts, he's got bleach blonde hair, like Eminem dyed hair, and he's always he's constantly smoking cigarettes. And that that cool way that like you uh, and McGregor smoked cigarettes in fucking train spotting. He's always smoking. He's super frail, super skinny, super pale. Smoking cigarettes and drinking vodka throughout the whole goddamn movie. Straight vodka, by the way. It's in that fr freezer, and he's just pouring it straight into a glass and just drinking it straight. Whole goddamn movie. Makes me feel way better about my alcoholism. Um, but And it's directed by Mike Hodges, who I feel like I've heard of before, right? That name sounds familiar to me. He was the director of Flash Gordon, the original Get Carter, The Terminal Man, and Black Rainbow. I would like to get into that man's career. That's another fun thing we can do later on. Um, but for sure. Anyway, so in Croupier, yeah, it starts out and it's 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 Noor. His character sort of punk rockish, like in Train Spotting or something like that. But it's a Noor film, Noir, Noir. I always fuck that word up. It's a Noir film. He's always talking to himself, but he's also a writer. So his dialogue when he's talking to himself and he's narr narrating his own movie, like a Scorsese film or something, that's fucking awesome. And I love that kind of shit. But the writing's really good. He's a writer, and you can tell in the way he writes. There's And there's all these Hemingway quotes and shit like that. And not like in a corny way, but like they pick the cool quotes. But yeah, he's just a he's a dude who's trying to write a book, and he, and he, he can't find work. And he's sitting around writing, and he's struggling to write this book. And just 
can't figure it out. And he's got this girlfriend who believes in him, but he doesn't really like her all that much. And uh, he's just kind of a devil may care. I don't give a fuck struggling writer type of dude. And then his dad calls him and he's like, hey, I got you this job. I know you're trying to write your book, but just go take this job. Just do it for me. So he goes and he signs up to be a croupier, which is a dealer at a casino. I probably should have led with that because if you don't know, it's like, what the fuck? Stop saying croupier, you piece of shit. But go be this dealer at a casino. And as soon as he goes to like do the tryout for it or whatever, he fucking you see how great he is you know at it and and you realize that he has a pass with this so he grew up around all this shit because his dad was a huge gambler and he has all these cool lines in the movie like you know you're either a gambler or you're a croupier you know you either get you either fuck people's lives up and you fuck up your own life or you you control it and you watch people do it and you you deal them the hands and all these cool lines about gambling and stuff like that and he never gambles no matter what he refuses to gamble uh, even for free he can't stand it and when he gets this new job he dyes his hair black and he starts to take it super fucking serious and he works nights at this hardcore casino and they take it all super seriously and it's a really fucking cool just the way they delve you into this world you think it's like oh it's a job it's a dealer at a casino not this fucking casino man it's all they take it so damn seriously and they get so deep into it it's like he's method acting in this and he starts to write his book about being a croupier while he's doing that and a bunch of fucked up crazy shit happens he gets involved with some shady people and uh, i'll probably i'll leave it at that for the most part he gets involved with shady people and shady women he starts fucking around on his girl he starts living this these two lives he's not sleeping he's he's drinking all the time his life's kind of coming unraveled, but he becomes like Nightcrawler. That's a good way to explain. It's like uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Nightcrawler, how he becomes obsessed with the job. That's kind of how he does with this job. And when he's narrating all, it's one of those movies where there can be not a lot happening. It's just characters talking and things unfolding. But it's so fucking cool the way it's happening, and the dialogue's so cool. Like, uh, it's not Tarantino levels of annoying. Like I said, it's more Scorsese type dialogue than anything. And uh, it's just really cool, man. And he's such a character to watch. He's such a kind of a just a street punk kind of character, but he he carries himself like James Bond. So it's both it's the interest the interesting things about both of those things kind of coming into the same world. And again, like not a whole lot happens, not a whole lot of things take place, but it's just he's a cool character to watch operate. And it's one of those things, it's one of those people you could watch fucking grocery shop, you know? So for some people, it's not going to be four. But if you're a fan of like the Donnie Darko type characters, uh, the the weird, twisted, deep thinking types, then I think this movie will be pretty cool for you. And it does have a lot to, of cool stuff to say about gambling and about that underworld and about how all that stuff works. There's some weird sex scenes in here, man. He's at this girl's house one night and she's like. He, he's, he's put away all her advances the entire movie. Like, she's got her titties out in the locker room and everything, and he's like, she's going to be trouble. And by the way, Clive Owen would have made a fucking killer goddamn James Bond. This movie proves that. He would have been an amazing James Bond. But, yeah, there's a scene where she's like, he, he gets in a fight with a guy who, he, he catches the dude cheating, and the dude catches him in an alleyway, and... He looks like he's going to get his ass kicked by this dude, right? But this this kind of character just keeps throwing surprises at you. He beats the living fuck out of this dude. He's very Robert Pattinson and Batman-ish, is his whole attitude. Like He beats the shit out of this dude and just doesn't stop. I mean, he hits him like a thousand times in the face. She takes him home, and he's just sitting there, and she's cleaning his face. And she goes to, to get 
a bandage or something. And he just like grabs her by the mouth and like stands up and kisses her and like throws her on the floor. And then they just have like rough sex. It's like one of those weird, just dark, grungy, strange movies, man. I like spending my time at these places. I know it sounds weird, but it's one of those late night, have you a drink type of just live in that environment kind of movie. I, I dug it. It's a, it's a really interesting character piece, a really interesting workplace movie. If you want to look at it that way and, and a gambling movie, I dug the shit out of it. Can't believe I've never heard of it in my entire life, which is what's fun about doing this. It was a first time watch and uh, absolutely recommend it. I will give this one a 7.5 and say that it's again, the ending when it wraps up, it's there's some weird dialogue that's like out of place and it makes you laugh and some weird edits and stuff like that. Uh, Just that come with that, that first person talking kind of Magnum PI type of thing that he does. And when the crime part of the movie unfolds, it kind of, the groceries kind of fall out of the bag a little bit with how they roll everything out and explain it. It's not the tightest movie ever, but it, you don't, you're not really watching it for that anyways. And then it wraps up with it with a, with a pretty neat little twist. You know, it's not trying to throw this stuff in your face. It just kind of evolves in its own way. So that was interesting to watch. And yeah, I, I, I like croupier a lot, man. I really do. I totally recommend watching. It will be a movie. I definitely revisit. And, uh, I definitely recommend to watch. So yeah, guys, this is the first episode of, I see dead movies in the fucking bag. And I have multiple questions for you. Favorite Mel Gibson movie, favorite gambling movie, not called rounders, unless you like one even better than rounders. And, um, what the fuck? Where is Clive Owen? Where is fine Gary Busey? But do you guys think Clive Owen would have been a good bond? I think he would have fucking ruled his bond a few years back. Hell yeah. Up top. That's amazing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I enjoyed talking about it. It was a really, I had a really good time. I'm just going to be honest with you. This is really fun for me. So uh, I hope you had as much fun as I did. Please let me know your thoughts and, and review this, you know, on the podcast or wherever you're listening to it. I haven't even thought about where I'm going to put it yet. <laughs> where are you going to put it? Uh, on the internet? So I don't know. I'll probably just throw this on the same thing as the, the We Watch Movie podcast goes on for now and then maybe eventually do a separate thing or just keep it under the same boat. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But hey, follow me on Twitter. Uh, I started a new Twitter for this just because, you know, these are, I don't, we're going to be talking about movies that nobody talks about. So I don't want to blow up the other feed with, you know, a bunch of stuff about VOD movies and stuff and people who want to hear about horror and and stuff like that. And again, that's just the thing about that. We're not going to do any franchises. We're not going to do crazy sequels. We're not going to do horror. We're not going to do, of course, we're going to do horror. We're not going to do like franchise horror. We're not going to do superhero movies. This is all about the the forgotten, the dead. Uh, That's why we call it I See Dead Movies. And I will see you next time. I hope you guys have an awesome day.